The sermon text for this morning is Mark chapter 12, verses 18 through 27. And Sadducees came to him, who say that there is no resurrection. And they asked him a question, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife, but leaves no child, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. There were seven brothers. The first took a wife, and when he died, left no offspring. And the second took her and died, leaving no offspring. And the third likewise. And the seven left no offspring. Last of all, the woman also died. In the resurrection, when they rise again, whose wife will she be? For the seven had her as wife. Jesus said to them, Is this not the reason you are wrong? Because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the bush, how God spoke to him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not God of the dead, but of the living. You are quite wrong. Please be seated. Confrontation. There we go. Coming together. It's a it's kind of an exciting passage. Truth in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life versus error. Uh, this is a high level confrontation that we have before us today in this uh, text of Scripture. Uh, we know of two times specifically where the Sadducees came to sort of trick Jesus and sort of get him. Uh, One is in Matthew 16, and the second one is here in Mark 12. We're just going to be looking at Mark 12 today. Why is this so important? Well, we're in the Jewish culture here, you know, in the first century. It's roughly 32 A.D., and uh, there's this kind of complicated government going on because the Jews have a lot of independence, a lot of freedom, and they have their own government. Uh, But overall, of course, the Roman government is actually the final uh, government. And they're oppressing the Jews. They don't like the Jews. And we know, let's fast forward. That was my fast forward sound. Pretty good, huh? Fast forward, you know, all kidding aside, to 70 A.D., and uh, I, my wife and I just had the joy of being in Rome. We were in the Forum, and there in the Forum, uh, you see the Arch of Titus, and it's an arch celebrating his victory over Judea, and it has symbols on this arch of him sacking the Holy Temple uh, and bringing back the, he, he's got a, not he, somebody, maybe he, I don't know, Somebody's carrying the menorah. You can see on the Arch of Titus uh, there. So that's 70 AD. So that kind of gives you the idea. In 40 years, the Romans are going to come and go, BAM! That's it for you. 
seriously, that they were smashed. Uh, and they tore apart the temple brick by brick. It was, it was gorgeous. It was covered with gold. Uh, and you know, Titus brings back this gold to Rome. And you know what they did with that money? What Titus did with it, largely? Somebody know? Thank you, Bill. They built the Colosseum with the... 80? And it was, I think it was completed around 100. Yeah, right in that range. Um, which is actually, honestly, you know, uh, quite, kind of bizarre and horrible. Uh, the, the temple was built to worship the God of the universe, Yahweh, in all holiness. And it's a place to atone for our sins, uh, to look forward to the great Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And they... And they Evil conquers, smashes that, takes the funds and builds a coliseum where the goal is uh, entertainment based on horrible violence. The first 100 days, and now I'm an expert on the coliseum. <laughs> Not really, but you know, I've got like a, you know, a Wikipedia knowledge of this. <laughs> but the first, in the first 100 days that the coliseum was open, 9,000 human beings died in, in that temple to ob obscene entertainment. Uh, so that, that kind of gives you a feel for the political environment here. Uh, this is, these aren't just happy times, you know. These are very scary times. So, but, but in the Jewish culture, they despised the Romans, these oppressors, but... They had their own government to deal with, and their, the main body of their government was a, obviously a combination of, we would say, church and state. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't call it church, but religion and civil authority can, combined in one, which is, was God's design, and may I say, ultimately, Jesus Christ will uh, rule that way too. Hallelujah. He's the high priest. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And uh, the best form of government is when someone can hold that together. Uh, and no other human being could ever do that. But the Sanhedrin was the governing body. They had just tons of authority in Israel. And the Sadducees were the guys who ran the Sanhedrin, by and large. Uh, they were the top brass in politics and religion. So this is no small deal when our text says uh, at the very beginning, and Sadducees came to him. Uh, this is like uh, you uh, being, let, let's just say, you know, let's pretend it's 8 p.m., you're cozy in your home with your family, and there's a sharp knock at the door, and you go to the door and it, FBI. You know, you know, like, whoa, authority, power. You can make my life utterly miserable. Uh, why are you here? Um, it's, you know, it's worse than that. These guys are the top, 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 scary individuals. They came to him. Um, and so this is what we're going to look at today, this, this confrontation. Let's look at the text again. It says this, the Sadducees came to him who say that there is no resurrection. 
So these are kind of a bizarre group of religious leaders. They literally don't believe in the afterlife. In, in the Matthew passage, we find out they don't believe in angels. They're, they're kind of like anti-supernatural. You know, like what's the purpose of religion if there's no afterlife? Uh, you know, it's confusing. But for them, they live for here and now. I live for the power I have. And they had it and they enjoyed it. Uh, there's an old joke. What, what's the old joke? Somebody want to say it? Yeah. They, they were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in the resurrection. I, I, you know, I, I told myself I wasn't going to say it, but I had, I had to get it out. Let's just, we got it out, it's out there, and no more. Okay. No, the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. So, so the question they come is all about the resurrection. And you can imagine these guys pl- plotting. You know, they, they have this meeting. Ha, 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 ha. We're going to get him. And there's a big, powerful, self-important, oh, you know, look at these clothes I've got, you know. they got all of this power, and they, they cook up this, this wild story. They're going to they're gonna trick Jesus. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna twist him around their finger with a question he won't be able to answer. You could just see him scheming. And it's been ratcheting up, you know. This, this is not the first party to come and try to get Jesus. Uh, and, but, but this is like the top. Finally, they're saying, okay, listen, we've got to send our best guys. Let's send them with this question. So they, they t- say this. Um, here, here's actually a picture of the guy who came to Jesus. We, we have a serious question for you. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry. You can hardly think that they could keep a straight face as they ask the question uh, because it's, it's rather absurd. Let's look at the, uh, the little bit of a story here. Teacher, you know, earlier, remember last time they came with all this heavy flattery, the Pharisees and the Herodians, um, Verse 13, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Again, they're thinking, ha, 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 we're going to get Jesus. We're going to make him feel so good about himself uh, <laughs> that will trip him up. And, and so it's the same sort of feeling, teacher, you know, rabbi. They're, 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 you know, he's an untrained ragamuffin guy that they hate. They've been trying to destroy for years now. So they don't think he's a rabbi. They're just using that term, rabbi. So here's the story. Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but leaves no children, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. This is true. This is a law in the Old Testament. There were seven brothers. <laughs> you can almost hear them just, oh, God, just like the chocolate. I'm, this is so exciting. I get to say this to Jesus. There, there were seven brothers. And the first took a wife, and when he died, he left no offspring. And the second took her and died, leaving no offspring. And the third likewise. 
Let's fast forward, they say, and the, and the seven left no offspring. Last of all, the woman also died. You kind of feel like, and the whole community breathed a sigh of relief. You know, this lady is like murder on guys. Any guy who marries her ends up dying rather soon. What in the world is going on in that house? We do not know. Uh, so this is the scenario, though. So, you know, she's married seven times, and this is a big problem. If you believe in the resurrection, they're thinking. Uh, okay, so ver- this is their final, this is it. This is the important question. Serious question. In the resurrection, when they rise again, whose wife will she be? For the seven had her as wife. Okay, so they think they've got Jesus. You, you know, you, you believe in the resurrection, and they're going to be raised, and there's these going to be seven, seven brothers for one wife, and it's going to be a mess. How, how can you sort that out? Oh, wise one. So now comes, that's their confrontation to, to, to Jesus. Uh, they're coming, trying to bowl him over, give him this weird question, this crazy question. And now Jesus, of course, turns it around. So listen to the words of Jesus again. Jesus said to them, Is this not the reason you are wrong? Now, this is kind of delicious. Jesus actually believes that there's a right and a wrong? He, he, never, he doesn't say, well, you have your own truth and I have my truth and let's just decide to get along on the basis of we're all probably right. No, he identifies them as wrong. And again, you know, you've heard the phrase, speak truth to power. Uh, that's what he's doing here, speaking the truth. Uh, and, and this is definitely confrontational. You are wrong. So what does he say? Because you know neither the Scriptures nor the power of God. Phenomenal accusation. Because again, these guys were uh, the Bible scholars of their day. They were, you know, the PhDs. Uh, they had studied the Bible their entire lives. Many of these men would actually memorize the Scripture. They, so when he says, you do not know the Scripture, uh, it's very confrontational of Jesus. And what don't they know the least, nor the power of God? You're, you're underestimating God's power by this silly question. You are underestimating God's power by coming to me and thinking you're going to tie me in knots with this silly question. That, that is definitely a subtext here as well. So you are in trouble. You don't know the Scripture. You do not know the power of God. And then look how he ends his uh, statement. We're, we're going to get to the content in a second. But he says, uh, you don't know the power of God. And then verse 25 and 26 and then... Uh, 27, the very end, he says, you are quite wrong. So he says, you're wrong, and uh, really, you're very wrong. Uh, Very confrontational here of Jesus. Now, 
We're going to come back to that thought in a minute, but let's look at the actual content of Jesus' answer. What do we take from this? What, what do we learn? Let's read it again. It says this, For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. Biblically, in, in the book of Genesis, it tells us there are two big purposes for marriage. There's probably even more, but there's two big ones. One is companionship. It's not good for man to be alone. I'm going to give him a partner, a helpmeet, who will share life with him. But clearly another purpose in marriage is what we call procreation, which is to have children. Jesus uh, God made them and said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Now, these two purposes aren't necessary in heaven. Uh, we don't need marriage because you don't need procreation. You don't need new human beings because they never die. They live forever in heaven. And in terms of companionship, we won't need that either because Jesus has already taught them that when we go off into eternity, we have brothers and sisters and family. We're all going to be a part of a loving, uh, n you know, non-dysfunctional family. You know, can you imagine that? <laughs> uh, you know, that the phrase, we put the fun in dysfunction, right? Uh, that's, tip, that's, that's, that's the best we can do on this earth, you know. Try to, try to keep it together and patch it up as much as possible and learn how to say you're sorry for what you've done wrong and not blame each other, not hold a grudge, keep your uh, counts short uh, constantly, right? This is our constant task. Uh, we, we just had a wonderful visit with my, my only sister. She's a few years older than me. It was, it was fantastic. Uh, visit, but one late night, about 10:30, 11 o'clock, she and I had a little little tiff over uh, over a memory about Dad, just a little tiny thing, you know. Uh, but but we were both sorry, you know. And and thank goodness that night we said, "Hey, I'm sorry," you know, for saying that. And then in the morning, the next morning, I felt badly all night. And then we reunited and, and got, you know, had to say, I really am sorry uh, that I was impatient with you last night, even though I'm still right. No, 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 I didn't, I didn't say that. But, but is, that, is that unusual? You know, you, none of you have ever had that problem, right? <laughs> what, what am I saying? In heaven, there will be no dysfunction. I mean, boom, imagine that. That will be fantastic. So marriage isn't necessary in terms of companionship or procreation. Um, let's, let's pause, though, for a second and look, look at this. It's, it's very interesting because actually uh, sometimes you will hear... <clears throat> I've heard this several times off and on, that the Old Testament doesn't teach the resurrection or or Jews don't believe in, in a resurrection, which is actually kind of weird because the Old Testament's very clear. <laughs> Let's look at, uh, I just have a, a few passages. Look with me to Isaiah 26, verse 19. Is the resurrection taught 
So when Jesus says, you don't even know the scripture, is that an accurate thing for him to say? They should know this. Isaiah had been written 700 years before. Like I said, the guys in the group, you know, at their men's breakfast, they've been studying Isaiah. They could never get the slide straight either, you know. Um, and there's lots of examples, but here's just a few. Isaiah 26, verse 19. Um, it says this. We could read the whole context, but time does not allow us. Your dead shall live. Their bodies shall rise. You know, it's like, well, how do we interpret that? You know, straightforward. <laughs> it's saying even after death, those same individuals shall live and their bodies will rise. They're going to come out of the grave. You know, at some point in the future, a cemetery is going to be a crazy active place. It's going to be the graves are going to break open and bodies are going to come out. It's, and God will reconstitute even the, the cremated or, or those in the sea. Uh, You've got to know the power of God. His power is infinite. Because if you look at that, well, that could never happen. God does miracles. Uh, the, your dead shall live, their bodies shall rise. You who dwell in the dust, awake and sing for joy. For your dew is a dew of light. And the earth will give birth to the dead. Okay, the Sadducees should have known that verse. You deny the resurrection? It's right in your own Bible, Jesus is saying. <coughs> uh, I will make a just a passing reference to Ezekiel 37. That's the Valley of Dry Bones. It's clearly indicating um, a resurrection. Uh, look with me to Daniel uh, now, Daniel 12, 2. Good to learn to turn the Bible and look at the actual print on the page or, or flip through your iPhone, <laughs> whichever comes first. Uh, Daniel 12, verse 2. Uh, again, we are um, um, interrupting a, a paragraph, but it just says, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Uh, Jesus really expands on this in John chapter 5. Uh, I think it's probably uh, a, a major, uh, ex, let's see, what's the word, uh, expository teaching on this passage of Scripture. This says it here. The, the reality is all human beings will be made alive. Uh, the Bible even says, in Christ, all shall be made alive. And all will be resurrected. All, all, all. You know, every human being who ever lived. Now, that sounds like a fairy tale. I mean, even when I say it, it sounds preposterous. But this is what the Bible teaches. Because uh, uh, you and I will rise, The the you know, the... Cain and Abel will rise. 
And they're going to stand before God and go into eternity, either an eternity of happiness and joy and bliss or misery and pain and suffering. That's what he says here. And some to shame and everlasting contempt. Now again, some teach what might be called annihilation. That is, hey, when I die and I don't know God, I'm just annihilated. You know, like a match gets burned out, blown out, that's it. Again, the Bible does not teach that. The Bible is very clear, and here's a clear passage that teaches, no, it's horrible, and I'm not giddy about it, but that's the truth. And, you know, there's a lot lot of real big truths. Like if you jump in front of a train, you will die. That's just true. And if you deny Christ and you don't come to Jesus, you will spend eternity in hell. Uh, Please avoid that at all cost. Danger. Uh, Let's look uh, at a couple more passages that the Sadducees should have well known. Uh, Psalm 16. Psalms have several references to the resurrection. Psalm number 16, which we'll be reading in a couple of weeks. Uh, We'll just take this one as an example. Psalm 16, 9 through 11. Here's Psalm 16, 9. Therefore my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol. Uh, Sheol is the grave. Or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. Can I just pause there and connect that to what I just said? Jesus is literally the path of life. He's the path to life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the, the life. The, the, the word way means path, road, el camino. He is the, he's the connection. Uh, you know, if you want to get to Oregon, you have to go north. I, I, I don't think you'll get there if you go south. You go a long way, but you'll fall into some body of water. You won't get to Oregon unless you go north. And you won't get to heaven unless you go on the way of Jesus. And that's as plain as it says here. You make known to me the path of life. You know, hallelujah. Undeserved. I don't deserve this path. You know, that's why we sing glory, hallelujah. Praise you, Lord, for your salvation. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand, are pleasures forevermore. Hedonistic. You know, God made us for joy. God made us for happiness. God made us for ecstasy. These aren't street drugs. (laughs) This is what we're we're headed for. This is grace. You know, t'was grace that made, taught my heart to fear. You know, if God and His Holy Spirit causes your heart to fear, hallelujah, hallelujah, that's grace. But, but grace, my fears relieved. You know, my, my heart is glad. My whole being rejoices. I don't face eternal 
death. This body is going to die. But Jesus is real, and heaven is, is our future if we are in the faith. Okay, so that's a little bit of a nice little sermonette there. Uh, I want to show you one more, because I just love this one. We, get, we have Job, Psalms, Proverbs in the Bible. So just before the book of Proverbs, I mean Psalms, you have Job. Job 19. I don't know if you're a fan of uh, Handel's Messiah, but this is a part of Handel's Messiah. Um, Job 19, and verse 26 is the one uh, particular. Let's look at 25. You know, if I was an opera singer, I'd try to sing it. But I know that my Redeemer... Can't sing it. Make a joke. It's too good. Sorry, Handel. <laughs> but so beautiful. Look at this. Verse 25. What a knowledge. You make known to me the path of life. Grace teaches our heart. For I know that my Redeemer lives. And, and at the last, He will stand upon the earth in victory. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God. Wow! And you know something? Historically, as far as we can tell, Job is about the earliest. Um, it wasn't written early, but the story is, is early, early, early. Uh, you know, pre-patriarch, very, very old. He knew theology. God taught him. And so to say, well, well there's no, uh, no resurrection in the Old Testament. It's like, you don't know the Scripture. I mean, I don't want to be flipping here, but that's what Jesus said. <laughs> you got to know the Scripture. Hallelujah. Um, but uh, let's go back to our text and notice something more. And that is this that Jesus doesn't use any of those passages I just mentioned. <laughs> they were all available to him. He didn't use one of them. And there's a reason for that, and that is that the, the Sadducees, they, they really honed in on the Torah, the, the five books of Moses. They loved the five books of Moses. And they weren't so sure about the, the prophets or the writings so Jesus goes right to their home turf, right into Exodus. Uh, Exodus chapter 3. Uh, you can look there really quickly. Jesus quotes this for us. Exodus 3 is a crucial passage because it's the place where Yahweh appears to Moses and commissions him through the burning bush. Quite an amazing uh, uh, event. Okay, I'm getting there. It's right between these two pages. All right, we go. <laughs> Exodus 3, please, verse 6. Uh, again, just jumping right in to the middle of a great text. And he said, this is what Yahweh said. He said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid 
to look at God. I am the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and your father too. So, so Jesus quotes this, right? Uh, again, let's look at the words of Jesus in Mark 12. Uh, and as for the dead being raised, have you not read? Honestly, this is lovingly confrontational to these Sadducees. You know, don't insult me. I've read the entire Bible. Uh, I know the Bible well. But, but, but wait a minute. Did you read it? Did you meditate on it? Did you understand? Did you think about the verb tenses in this text? The grammar matters. And he says, Have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the bush, how God spoke to him saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. What, what is he saying? He's saying, well, he, 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 is not the, he is not God of the dead, but of the living. You are quite wrong. <laughs> you are quite wrong. Um, see, what, what this is, dig into this. What is this actually saying? He's saying to these Sadducees that right now, although Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's bodies are still buried on the earth, and they actually you know, knew where they were, although their bodies are buried on the earth, they themselves are alive and conscious. They're conscious. There's this myth, dear friends, and I, I do everything I could do to convince you that it's a myth. And there's this myth that says when you die, your consciousness stops and you no longer exist. It's, it's the biggest tragedy to believe that. You know, think, I, think of Robin Williams. You know, it was an amazing, talented man. And he had so much cacophony of whatever in his brain you know, hung himself and died. Why was he thinking that? He's thinking, I will have release here. I, I will no longer be conscious of what's going on. Of course, I can't profess to know exactly what he was thinking. But this, this horrible satanic lie that suicide ends your existence, it does not. The Bible clearly teaches that you continue to be conscious. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are now. He's not the God of the dead. So this whole issue with you about resurrection, you're completely wrong about it. Uh, yes, there is a resurrection of the body to come. And I'm going to tell you, I'll stand right here and say it. I don't understand how that all works, you know? Like, they're, because their body's here, but they're there. Are they, are they free of a body? Do they have a temporary body? I don't know, but honestly, this text and several others makes me think that, no, they're not sleeping in the grave. Uh, with their body. I, I mean, you can have a different opinion, but I think that's what this is teaching. Uh, they're not there. And let's look at some of the other teaching of Jesus quickly as we, as we close together today. Let's look at John 11, which is a passage about resurrection. Glorious passage. It's the story of Lazarus and how he was raised from the dead for the glory of God. 
book. In fact, I just read verse 4 this morning again. And when, uh, when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. Although it did, but it was temporary death. It is for the glory of God. Illness for the glory of God. Illness that leads to death for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And he was. Uh, this is what drew masses to the triumphal entry. Palm Sunday was the resurrection of Lazarus. But today we're just going to look at his conversation with Mary and Martha uh, down in verse 25 and 26 on the same theme of what happens when we die. Verse 25 says this, Jesus said to her, I am, it's ego emi in Greek, I am, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he says, of course, do you believe this? Now, this is very different information from what we might find uh, through testing and through empirical knowledge. You know, we go to the hospital, the patient is very sick, the patient dies. They, they died but they were believers in Jesus. It says they weren't supposed to die. What's happening? Yeah. There's a transition. They themselves continue in existence. They themselves have transitioned. Now, you know, we say they went to a better place. They certainly did. Paul said, for me to live is, is Christ, but to die is gain. For I want to depart to be with him. Train, the train's coming. You know, and death is getting on a, a different train and taking off. It's a transition. It's a, it's a journey. So that's what this verse is saying. Yet shall he live, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. So a believer doesn't face eternal death, but goes on to live. All right. That's all we really want to say about the sort of the content of the text let me just summarize with one more slide. I think this is a passage about truth. And Jesus is the truth. And there's some things that this passage, I believe, teaches very clearly about this. First of all, and this is impossible, I admit, but we have to learn to be comfortable with confrontation. Confrontation is always hard, always difficult. But sometimes... We hate it so much, we think that it's to be avoided at all costs. Like, it's, it's the great evil, confronting somebody about what is right and what is wrong, confronting somebody about their sin, being confronted about our sin. And Jesus obviously didn't live his life that way. You know, the, what would Jesus do while these big pompous guys came to him and said, you know, you're wrong. You don't know the Bible. You don't know the power of God. And by the way, you're very wrong. You know, that's no softy, right? That's no somebody just sort of saying, well, you know, God bless you. Peace. Peace out. No, he's saying this is true. There's right and wrong. And so in the church, as hard as it is, we need to learn how to control 
confrontation, but we, we need to exercise lovingly confronting each other and learn to be comfortable with it. A task. Secondly, uh, look at that. Sometimes it just gets slow, and that's wonderful. Hope it won't do anything more here. Uh, study and know the Scriptures. It's really basic here. <clears throat> what he confronted them on was although they were, they were in a culture that was Bible, 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 they went to Bible study all the time, uh, yet they didn't know the Scripture because they weren't personally really understanding it. And they weren't trusting the grammar. They'd never said, wait a minute, that is a present tense verb. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's ongoing. So Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are actually alive right now. And we should question our understanding of res- resurrection. Um, we should be committed to, to understanding the grammar. Uh, it is the Holy Scripture. It's the writings of God worth our meditation and careful study. Uh, we we uh, practice grammatical, historical interpretation. We try to understand the history of the language, history of what's going on, but it's grammatical too. We also call this verbal plenary inspiration. In other words, God inspired, God breathed out verbally each word and also plenary, meaning the whole message of the Bible is inspired, but it comes through specific language and verb tenses. And Jesus teaches us to be a good Bible teacher. You're aware of the verb tenses (laughs) and you use them as your sermon points. I kind of like that. And I think we need to meditate on the Holy Scripture. God has given us the Bible and He clearly expects us to study it and know what it says. And then finally, um, prepare for eternity. You know, I, I, I talked about John eleven twenty five and 26. It says, whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Here is the path of life. God has made it known to all of us. Uh, and I've tried to emphasize it here today. Uh, come to the path of life. If you are not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, come to him. Uh, confess your sin. Understand you need Jesus. And, and say, I believe, I love you, I want to receive you as my Savior, the offering that God has given us. We need to be preparing for eternity. Yesterday we had a memorial service for a lady who had been uh, uh, a part of our church, uh, kind of a little bit in and out, but mainly in uh, since 1954. Uh, she came to this church as an eight-year-old girl and came to the Sunday school. And in, I know we know a little bit about 1954 and 1955. This church was having a, a massive um, Sunday school campaign. And they were trying to get the Sunday school up to 500 people. You know, this is our sort of history. It was 555 or something like that. And so th- during that massive campaign, uh, this little girl named Nanette came to this church, and heard the gospel. And she loved it. She received the Lord Jesus. She loved it so much. She went home and made her whole family come to church. And and her mother came to Christ. And down the line, several others came to Christ. Nanette came to know the Lord here 
And she was so excited, she brought her own family. And the wonderful thing about this is, as we had this memorial yesterday for her, there was a lot of evidence of her faith. She had been preparing for eternity uh, all along. And, and they had in the, her garage these books and books and books, all these journals. Well, I guess it was dozens and dozens of them. And they opened them up and read them. And they were individual personal Bible studies she had done and commentaries on ver- all kinds of scriptures, what the Lord was saying to her, what she was praying for. She's a prayer warrior. Lots of evidence that she was preparing for eternity by coming to know the Lord Jesus in the gospel and living for him. Uh, So let us be reminded of that. This is true. Uh, God is the God of the living.